0: Father, as we open your word now, would you come and be our teacher? The apostle Paul talks about a church being God taught. God taught. He even made up a word for it. God taught. I pray that you would come and send the counselor to be our teacher now and that you would protect me from error And make my heart a reflection of yours. And that you would open ears and hearts to hear and to understand and to respond in ways that are fitting to the truth. Lord, leave us not to our own devices here. We need you very much. We are utterly dependent upon you now. Protect us from the evil one who would intrude into this service and distract our affections and our mind. Lord, let it be a genuine engagement with you as we go to your word. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. If you have a Bible or if you want to take a Bible from the pew in front of you, I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 10. It's also printed on the second page of the worship folder there, the text that we're going to look at. If you might want to look at it in your Bible, I'll be referring to some verses that you might be able to find more easily that way. It's Christmas time. Two more Sundays leading up to Christmas, today and next Sunday. And I thought, what shall I say about the meaning of Christmas? And I believe that the Lord led me to this verse, verse 45 of Mark 10. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And what I want to happen in these next two weeks, I'm going to preach on this verse, this one verse for two weeks, uh, is that you'll have a crisp, clear, brief Statement about what Christmas is about, so that at work or with family members, you can just say, this is what Christians believe Christmas is for. There are a lot of different answers to that. I mean, you could say, I just throw out something You could say it's about the Son of God who was the very radiance of the Father bearing the very imprint of his nature, taking on human flesh and form and becoming man. Or you could say, it's about a man named Jesus in whom the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Colossians 2, 9. Or you could say, it's about prophecy. And prophecies like Micah 5, 2, uh, you, O Bethlehem, Too small among the clans are going to be honored. And out of you will come a ruler over my people Israel. Or like uh, Isaiah 9 and 11, a son, a child will be born to you and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That coming is what Christmas is all about. Or, you might say, the Son of Man came... Not to be served, but to serve us and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came for that. And that's what I want to talk about. There's so many things that Christmas means. The incarnation of the Son of God into human form is the foundation of all of our dreams. And all of our hopes and everything else we affirm about him and on the basis of him. And so Christmas is everything, you might say. But you can't say everything in one sermon. You have to say a little bit. So let's go to the story. Let's get a context for verse 45. We'll go back as far as verse um, 35. And let's pick it up and see why Jesus said this. Into what situation did he speak this amazing Christmas verse? James and John, these guys are called sons of thunder in other places. You don't, you don't often think about the, the writer of the Gospel of John being a son of thunder, do you? He's usually considered, he's the one who laid his head on Jesus' breast, and he's the one whom Jesus loved and he was called, along with James, boanerges a son of thunder. I, I like the combination of a man who can lay his head on Jesus' breast in that kind of tenderness and intimacy at the Last Supper and have the reputation of being a son of thunder. I like that. I'm glad my name is John. <laughs> and not Peter Piper. <laughs> My dad wanted to name me Peter. And my mother rescued me. So these are sons of thunder. And they they come to uh, Jesus. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And Jesus said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup and drink uh, that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. Hmm. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink and You shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give. It is for those for whom it has been prepared. Let's stop there. James and John got one thing right. Something's wrong, one thing right. They got it right. That Jesus is going to be in glory someday. That's right. He looked like an ordinary man standing there in front of them. Christmas is very ordinary. Mangers and cows and shepherds and sheep. and A woman and a man. It's very ordinary. But they got it right. Someday, somehow, this man is going to be in glory. Verse 38. When you sit, no, verse 37, when you sit in in your glory. So they had it right. He's Messiah. And someday he triumphs over all other competing powers and rulers. And he reigns on a throne in glory. That's right. Now, it's important to get that right. And I I fear that there's some in this room who don't have that right yet. And the reason, you can tell, is because if you know a company has stock that's going to go through the roof December 31st, you buy that stock, you don't buy the competitor's stock. You buy that stock. Or if you know that this building, say a tornado, just like, I forget when it was, nineteen eighty Three or five, it's went bouncing through South Minneapolis. Remember that? Knocking down trees all over the place. Suppose you knew that this is the only building gonna be left standing when that tornado bounces through Phillips' neighborhood. You come to this building, you come, you don't go to my house, you come to this building. If you know that, you believe that and if you know and believe that Jesus is gonna win, he's gonna triumph. He's going to reign and every enemy is going to be put under his feet. And there will be only righteousness and peace for those who follow him. You follow him. You do, if you believe it. And there's some who don't follow him. So you haven't got it right yet. You haven't got it right yet. What James and John got right, and they didn't get much right. But they got that right. But did they understand the cup? What's this cup? Verse 38, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? The answer to that question, I believe, is given in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember? Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, goes a little ways, then he goes a little farther, He falls on his knees and he begins to sweat as it were drops of blood and he wrestles and he gets angelic help to support him in his humanity and his weakness and he cries out to God and these are his words Abba, Father all things are possible for you remove this cup there it is remove this cup from me yet Not what I will, but what you will. So what's the cup? The cup is the suffering and death of Jesus. The cup is the drinking of the pain and the suffering and the death the Father had given him to drink. So what he's saying to James and John is, Is you like glory? I can tell you like glory. You want the right, and you want the left. You want that glory. Drink my cup. You want that? You drink my cup. Suffer and die with me. What's the baptism? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? He's already been water baptized to identify himself with the people of God who are baptized in the name of Jesus, the Father, Spirit. He's, that's over. What's, what's this baptism? Luke 12.50 says this. Jesus says, I have a baptism to undergo and how I am constrained until it is accomplished. And what he's talking about is the same thing. He's going to be immersed in suffering. He's going to plunge into a baptismal pool of pain and blood. So he's just got two images. He says, James and John, sons of thunder, lovers of glory and power. You want to be in heaven? You want to know the glory of the age to come and triumph with me over the nations? Drink my cup. Be baptized with my baptism. And they say, we will. And he says, you will. That's the first part of the context. Here's the second part. The disciples, the other ten, they're bent all out of shape over this. You can imagine. You want the right and you want the left. What's that leave for us? Now, Jesus hears this going on. And he intrudes himself into this, verse 42. He says to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must uh, be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first, that's what James and John were asking, at least one of them was, first and second, the one that wants to be first, must be the slave of all. Now, what's he saying? I think he's saying to the ten exactly the same thing he said to the two. To the two, he said, you want glory? You want the spot number one and the spot number two? Drink my cup. Prepare to suffer. In the service of the world. The ten are all worked up about this and probably not for holy reasons. And Jesus says, you want to be great? Be a servant. You want to be number one? You want to be first like James or John? First over here on the right? Is that what you want? Then be the slave of everybody in the world. What does that mean? The slave of everybody. And the next verse is our text. Verse 45. Because verse 45 explains what that means. You must be the slave of all. For the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. So there it is. That's the cup. So he's saying the same thing to the ten that he said to the two. You want glory? Drink my cup. You want to be first? Be a servant that gives his life. Drink my cup. That's the context of verse 45 that we want to spend two weeks on. Verse 45 is a part of a a call to radical discipleship. You've got to hear it in those words. You got to hear it in that context or you won't get it. It is a part of a call to radical discipleship. And Jesus says to the whole group of them. You want to go with me to glory? Go with me to Calvary. There's a lot of people today who have a theology that says he went to Calvary so that we can go to the mall. Or wherever else you don't have to go to Calvary. There's a lot of people who have a substitutionary View of things that doesn't just say he bore my sin. But he bore all of my inconvenience so that I can live high on the hog in the name of Jesus and glorify him by my wealth and prosperity and health and power. And that's dead wrong. If you want to be with me in glory, drink my cup. I went the Calvary road and he who would come after me, let him take up his cross on that road and die, is the message of Jesus Christ. If you want glory, make ready to suffer. The way is hard that leads to life, Matthew seven fourteen, And few there be that find it because many craft their own Christianity. When he comes with this demand, now we're moving from demand to gospel here. Listen carefully. Christmas is good news, folks. Christmas is awesome good news. And the good news is the transition and the understanding between verses 35 to 44, on the one hand, a call to radical discipleship, and verse 45, which is vastly more than what I thought it was for years, namely an example of how to do it. It is that. It is that. For, do that. Drink my cup. Take my baptism. Be a servant. Be the slave of all. That's my discipleship. That's what I mean. That's what it is to follow me. That's Christianity. But, and then he gives an example. But, oh, oh, so much more than an example in verse 45. For the Son of Man came... Not to be served. Stop. Don't miss that. Don't ride over that. Here's what he's saying. I have called you. He's saying, I have called you, Bethlehem. I have called you, all of you Christians. I have called you to be servants. Servants that are laying your life down day by day for other people to the point where it hurts and even might kill you. But in that You dare not serve me. Is that in the text? The Son of Man came not to be served. In all your serving, each other, the lost, the nations, you may not serve me. What does he mean? What is this? I tell you, this sounds good to me. This sounds like gospel. This sounds like Christmas to me. This sounds like an incredible gift to me. Because the whole world is bent on serving God. When they think about how to get right with God, oh, what can we do? How can we? How can we work for Him? How can we get Him on our side? The whole world is bent on that. Jesus says, look, I've just given you a call to discipleship that is so incredibly difficult that if you think of it in terms of earning your way into my favor, you're a goner. You're a goner. you got to get your whole mindset shifted around here. I am coming to serve you. That's Christmas. I'm coming to serve you. I'm not, the gospel is not a help wanted sign. It's a help available sign. And the price is get off it, humanity. You, do you think That you can drink my cup without my help? Where's that going to come from? Do you think that you can be baptized with my baptism? Do you know what it costs to be a Christian? Do you think you can do that? Do you think you can serve all the people in the world, the people that are pleasant and the people that are unpleasant, the people that throw it back in your face and the people that take it and take it and take it? Can you keep on doing that till Jesus comes? Without me helping you, serving you. Do you remember John fifteen five? John fifteen five says, I am the vine. Jesus is talking. I am the vine. Okay, you got the vine here? I am the vine. You are the branches. Okay, fingers the branches. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Get it? He who will not let me with all my richness serve him, supply all his needs, satisfy all his longings, rescue him from all his troubles. He can't do anything. Nothing nothing the gospel of verse 45 mark 1045 and john 15 five are the same gospel unless you abide in the vine you can do nothing unless you let me be the servant in my relationship with you you can do nothing abiding in the vine and being served by Jesus are the same Reality, and I call it living by faith in future grace. Resting moment by moment in what He supplies. Never once thinking that, well, I'll, be, I'll write a check, I'll write a check and then things will go better. Never once thinking that my service to this church or my service to my neighbor for my service to anybody is going to earn anything from God. Jesus comes and says, get that whole mindset out of your mind. I'm coming in here, folks, as a God servant. This is risky. This is theologically risky to believe the Bible. But we got to believe it or we aren't Christians. To be a Christian is... Is to stop serving God. Acts seventeen, twenty-five. God is not served by human hands as though He needed anything, for He Himself gives to all men life and breath and everything. There's such a danger in being biblical. <laughs> We're called servants. Yes, but oh, get it right. Get it right. Jesus said when the disciples came to him in Mark 10, who then can be saved? Verse 27. He said, with men it is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. Unless the Son of Man is serving you day and night, You never, ever make it. What I want to be true for you this Christmas is that you have the mindset that Jesus Christ came into the world not to get servants that he needs to get his job done. He came into the world to make himself available to be our servant, to meet our needs, that we, in serving one another, might do it in his strength and not ours. Remember first Chronicles sixteen nine? The eyes of the Lord rove to and fro throughout the whole world, seeking to show himself mighty on behalf of those whose heart is whole toward him. Do you remember how Psalm twenty three closes? Surely goodness. And mercy will pursue me. That's the literal Hebrew. Pursue me all the days of my life. Like one of my old teachers at seminary used to say, like a highway patrolman with his red light flashing and his siren blazing, coming down on a speeder. God's after us to do us goodness and mercy. So many of you think he's chasing you for another reason. Got a big stick in his hand. Look, if you stop running and stop trying to work your way into heaven and say, I give up, I give up, he catch you, he catch you. And his light will go off and he pull out his checkbook, like that old show that none of you kids remember, The Millionaire. Nobody remembers it. And he writes you a free check for a million dollars. You know what? We don't need another Messiah to tell us how to live. We all know, we all know that we're supposed to serve other people. Spill right in. We know we're to serve other people. We know we're not to lord it over other people. We know we're supposed to be the servant and take suffering on ourselves if necessary. We know that. If all Jesus is is another messianic figure calling radical disciples to get in the train of that, forget it. I don't need another that. I, I need, I need a savior. I need a ransom. I need a ransom. I've sinned every day of my life. God is holy. There's no hope for me. Absolutely no hope for John Piper. I need a ransom. And he offers it. And I need a power, once I've been ransomed, to live with my ransomer in this radical discipleship. I don't need another political figure, say a Karl Marx or a... Or a Mao Zedong to tell me how to revolutionize the world and fix things. I don't need another, uh, new age mysticism to get me in touch with some higher power. I don't need any psychological self-help book to show me 10 steps to get my family and my kids and my everything right. I need two things. I need a Redeemer. A Savior. And I need power. And Jesus is that according to verse 45. That's what Christmas is all about. Talitha Ruth. You're going to be stuck with a lot of illustrations I'm afraid. Talitha Ruth arrives in our house Friday night. She smiles. She coos. She cuddles. She eats. She burps. She lies down at 9.30 and she sleeps till 5.30. What more could you ask? And she hasn't served us yet. And we will die for her now. And if she lifts her little head one afternoon and says, I want to be the servant here. She's nine weeks old. I want to be the servant here. Lay off. Let me work for you. She will die. She'll die. And so will you. Which is why Jesus said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The easiest thing in the world is to stop working for God and rest in God. And yet, because of who we are, it's the hardest thing in the world. Can you handle that? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is Easy. Put that together with Matthew 7, 14. The way is hard that leads to life and few there are that find it. Can you put it together? I put it together like this. Nothing's easier than trusting. Nothing's easier than to just not twist out of my arms, Talitha. Just rest. Be satisfied with your new home. Receive. Be served. But if you've got a heart, It is hard in self-reliance and does not like being put in the position of a welfare recipient. If you've got that kind of a heart, it's hard to be a Christian. Really hard. Indeed, Jesus says, impossible. So I offer you a Christmas present on behalf of Jesus Christ and in the name of the Lord Jesus, would you receive the service of the Lord? Would you receive is serving you this Christmas. He' redeeming you, He's ransoming you. We'll unpack that next week. What does it mean? How did he do that? And what kind of power is there in that? Let's pray, Lord, as we close, I beg of you to have mercy upon any in this room now who are wrestling with letting go and being served. Who are wrestling with the belief that you could be such a good God as to serve sinners and lay down your life for them and come to them with a Holy Spirit and provide their needs and satisfy their lungs and give them an eternal destiny of infinite happiness. Lord, would you come and help those who are wrestling? Help Christians who have who have forgotten these things and who have slipped into a legalistic or works frame of mind whereby they think they must earn credit. Oh, Lord, grant that we would learn what it is to live by faith in future grace, moment by moment. Jesus, we together as a congregation now glorify and exalt you as the infinite resourceful servant of your church. And I ask that you would draw to yourself now, this Christmas season, any who have not yet yielded to this good news and been born again. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you without blemish, Before the throne of his glory with rejoicing, be glory and honor and majesty and authority before all time now and forevermore. And all the people said, Amen.